Bloody Elbow presents the sixth round post-fight show, which gives you an event rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on the current weekend's UFC event, complete with hot takes, possible next fights, and reactions to the overall card. Paid Bloody Elbow podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your Bloody Elbow fight analysts. Cigar Page put together a great offering special for our readers. 60 G's, baby. The team at Bloody Elbow had some laughs thinking about those old school UFC fight bonuses and how far some of those early fighters have come. The 60 G's baby deal from Cigar Page is five 90 plus rated cigars and a travel humidor. This is a value of $90 that Cigar Page is offering Bloody Elbow readers for $25. While that cigar culture is alive and well in the MMA community, it may not be your thing, and it also makes an awesome gift for the holidays. You can grab this deal today at cigarpage.com slash 60gsbaby. That's cigarpage.com 60gsbaby. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the sixth round post-fight show with me, Zane Simon, and my co-hosts. As all, from where are you even now? I don't even know. What, <laughs> uh, what, what part now. of You what? I'm in Vegas, Las Vegas. Oh, you're in, you're in Vegas. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. So I, I, I didn't know where for the karate combat event last night. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know. I know we couldn't. I, I know we can't get you credentials to a UFC event, but no. you know, yeah. Uh, so Eddie, once again, world traveling off there, working for karate combat, but he's here. He's in Vegas well, for karate combat. No, no, no. Well, I working. I, I don't mean for for. I mean working at. You know, working for bloody yeah, elbow at. I know. They should, though, just having you there on board. Yeah, I know you're right. You know, you elevate the product for them if they don't recognize that. No, I think they do. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, if we're a little choppy tonight with our recording, apologies. Eddie's coming to you guys over some absolutely shitty hotel Wi-Fi. So we get what we get out of it. On the bright side, there's a little Marilyn Monroe picture yeah, painting yeah. behind me so you're welcome that's right yeah you're we're spicing it up we're we're adding a little extra flavor to the to the sixth yeah. round a little pizzazz that's right so we're coming to y'all from the close of ufc 296 going down at the t-mobile arena in paradise nevada where we very likely just saw the final title UFC title fight of Colby Covington's career. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. He looked absolutely terrible out there. He really did. I mean, he found a way back. He found a way into this fight by the fifth round of it, but it was, even that was not fun. That wasn't like the, you know, Covington, oh, God dare I say it, but like Covington versus Lawler or Covington versus RDA 
when we had the fun, high-volume swarming Colby Covington. It was just the grindy wrestle Colby Covington, and taking four rounds to find his way to that kind of fight is not... No, this was terrible. He, like, wanted to pretend like he won. (laughs) Yeah. That's insane. This fight was was trash. I hated it. This was the lamest fights on the card. Colby didn't show up. No, for he whatever didn't show reason. up at all. We can, we can speculate as to why. Perhaps he's injured. Perhaps yeah. guilty feet have no rhythm. There you go. Perhaps he's just old. I mean, he, I he's 34 years young. What are you talking he, about? There's not a scratch he, on him. He's that, except, for, except for the big one on his nose. Is he saying that? And the big welts on his leg. Like yeah. Rust spot. Yeah. No, this was, it was no fun, you know, and he kind of, he got to sit, he got to sit and wait on the sidelines for the better part of a year, at least. I mean, he didn't fight for, yeah, since March, for a year and a half, year and eight months, he got to sit on the sidelines and he got a title shot for waiting and for beating a very thoroughly washed Jorge Masvidal. And I just can't see that being out there for him again. If he's going to fight for something again, he's going to have to fight other top contenders. And he said, you know, I was a little surprised, honestly, that after that fight, he's talking about, oh, I feel ready to go and I want to get back in there and I want to fight again. Cause he just hasn't, he hasn't sounded or looked like a man. He didn't look like tonight a man that interested in fighting. So no, he didn't look like he wanted to be there at all. Yeah, it, except uh, for when he found that top position in the fifth, and yeah. then he did try to finish. Like he he tried. He tried to force that arm triangle. Sure, but like yeah, it was weird for him to get there. Like that's odd. out of character. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, this just feels like, you know, he he came into MMA. They even teased it in the opening to the fight. He was recruited by Chael Sonnen on his way, you know, out of college to go oh, into yeah. MMA. And uh, it just feels like the legacy of second place Sonnen lives on all the way to the end, you know? Wow. Chael Sonnen. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm with it. <laughs> right? That's pretty like, accurate. From start to finish. It's like the blueprint. Yeah. It's just kind of laid out. The... It's an archetype at this point. Because, you know, how many other fighters have gotten three title shots in the UFC and not won one of them? Chael Sonnen yeah. fought Anderson Silva twice and John Jones, you know? Like... Maybe like Benavidez. Yeah, that Joe B. Probably, yeah, yeah, he did. So, not many though. Not many people. Yeah, three it's, it's pretty low, and I don't think I think Covington might be the only one to ever get three chances in the same division. Without well, winning. how many chances did Max Holloway get at Volkanovski? Yeah, but Max Holloway had already won a title. What I'm saying is, how many fighters have gotten in three title shots in one division and not won one Never of them? Never won a title. Yeah. Yeah. It's rare. So, 
I, you know, if this is the last time we get a full, you know, a full press of his shtick for a pay-per-view headliner, I will not be sad about it. I have no desire to really see him fight again. If that's what he's going to be like from now on. Because I honestly, I don't think this was... I'm not going to credit Leon Edwards with shit. No, this was just not fun at all. Kobe didn't show up. No. And it's not like... I mean, I I feel like Edwards could have pressured. He could have, like, taken him out of there. And, like, he, he... he was content to just win on points. Yeah. I don't it, it seemed like Edwards was I mean, if Covington's gonna hang back, he's just handing Edwards the fight that Edwards wants. You know, it's just there on a plate of like, oh, you're just gonna let Leon Edwards snipe from range? He's just gonna I don't like pop. watching I don't like watching Leon Edwards fight. Yeah. I don't like watching Colby Covington fight. They are they are not fighters who have built them their brand around entertainment. They've built their brand around winning and finding ways to win within different aspects of the MMA meta. Kevin Edwards is a low output, high high accuracy pot shot sniper, and Covington is a high volume. Used to be, not anymore. Mm-hmm. Was a high volume, low out low accuracy swarmer. And with the volume gone from Covington's game, and this has been gone since he got crushed by Usman in that first fight, um, he's not not been that volume fighter anymore. And with that that part of his game gone, it just is hard to see how he wins really high level fights. You know, I would have been happy to just see some pressure out of him. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, he's just more time. He's Very just not that guy anymore. And I mean, the other, the other thing, too, I got to say is MMA Masters isn't really the camp for that either, you know? You think of your MMA Masters fighters, and there are a lot of very sort of back foot, power, pot shot, you know? A lot, a lot of them are very dynamic fighters, so they lean on that, but Covington's not dynamic. That's never been his game, so... He's kind of working with a team that I, it doesn't feel like it's really primed to be, keep him as the fighter that he was. It just doesn't make any sense. It's really weird. No. Yeah. I mean. Unless he's just washed, then it makes sense. Yeah, I think it, there is that. Like, it also does seem like he's a little slower. It seems like his confidence has been, got shook up by Uzman. Yeah, shy. Yep. Shitty performance. Yep, just and, like, just and Edwards is far from the course. It's like what he yeah. does. He had you that give Edwards a bunch of time and space. That's the fight he's going to have. Yeah. So. Yeah, not not not, um, not fun. Uh, no, both these guys are boring. But you know who's not? Shafkat Rachmanov. <laughs> Look at this! Fuck yeah! Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. You know me better than I know myself. That's right. Uh, yeah, people are like, oh, well, Malone's deserving. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, I hate to say You can't walk away from that fight and think, you know, the guy. what I really want to see right now is Leon Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad too. That's what I want right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to say it. 
does Bilal deserve it on the merits of his his record? Sure, but sometimes deserves got nothing to do with it. It is wait. Shafkat, I mean, look at Shafkat's record though. Yeah, I mean Shafkat deserves it on his record. He just hasn't been in the UFC doing it for as long as Bilal has. But he's finishing literally everybody. Yeah, that's the thing. Some of the shit he was doing out there, man. That Dagestani handcuff he had. Mm-hmm. Like, holy shit, man. That was some insane grappling. Just yeah. insane. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that be, in a minute. But it does... Be. Yeah, it does feel like he needs to be next. It does feel like... If I'm looking at the uh, rankings right now, and I wasn't, I should have had them pulled up, but I got a little... Well, I mean, you got Bilal... You got Colby, Gilbert, Burns, and then Shavkat. Yeah, you got you, you've got a guy, you know, Gilbert Burns, he's coming off a loss. Kamara Usman, he's coming off a loss. Bilal Muhammad, Colby Covington is now coming off a loss. And then you've got Bilal Muhammad and you've got Shavkat Rachmanov. Those are the two coming off wins. And you know. So we got oh yeah we got somebody asking would Shavkat be favored against Edwards? I think this version of Leon Edwards, I would take Shavkat Rachmanov. Leon Edwards that fought tonight and is out there just slow paced pot shotting. I don't know how you can favor anyone against Shavkat. Yeah, like fuck all that. I I think Rachmanov has it would be the favorite. He's the surest lock in MMA right now. And that seems that to me is probably the better argument than any to make this fight over the Bilal Muhammad fight because I would absolutely favor Leon Edwards over Bilal Muhammad. We saw that fight. Yeah, exactly. Edwards just had Bilal's number. Yeah. Edwards had Bilal's number. But Shafkat, I would fa- I if I'm gonna favor a fighter over the champ, then I want to see that title fight. You know? I did a little. I uh, I did some sports gambling here in the Vegas. Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah. To, I went to the sports book. Did you make yeah, any I money? Par- yeah, I did a little parlay um, with a uh, Pantoja and Rachmanov. Oh, that's a that's a smart parlay. Yeah, I felt like although Pantoja was scaring me, and then I did one with uh, a a little a small little bet with Pantoja, Rachmanov, Aldana, and Feely. Oh yeah, hey, that's also a smart play. Yeah, it worked out. I, I'm surprised and you. This part, I went and cashed them before, uh, right after Pantoja, so I I had time between the Colby fight to go get my nice. money, get both of my dollars. You didn't. You didn't. Put, you didn't take anything off of Patty Pimblett's absolutely guaranteed win over Tony Ferguson. No, because it was too weird. When fights are weird, yeah. like that, I, I try to just stay really far away from them. Fair enough. Speaking of Pantoja Royval putting a scare in you, that was a really weird fight for Pantoja because he had that like he he got a little gassed against Brandon Moreno and then was able to pick it up and have a second wind and come back and keep hurting Moreno and keep ahead in that fight. Against Royval, though, it felt like he just gassed and stayed gassed. You know? 
Yeah, but I had to keep telling myself, Pantoja can fight tired. He's great. He can fight tired. He can fight tired. He was very effective at fighting tired. Judges were crueler than I was. I gave Royval round three. I could see giving him potentially round five. Honestly, three, four, and five were all rounds that I could see Royval getting some combination of any of them. Not, I, I didn't think it was likely he would get all three and win, but, you know, they were all ugly rounds. Judges, yeah, though, I, were just... I they gave were just all like, of them with Natasha. You, gave, you, you had the 50-45? Yeah, but I mean, some of those were super close. Like yeah, they had like, individual moments where they were doing well. Like, um, Randy would do like start out really well on the feet, and then Pantoja would get his takedown and do like just enough ground yeah. pound, in my opinion, to sway. Like, I mean, unfortunately for Royval, what kept coming up in this fight is a he is not an accurate enough striker to win at a really high level. Like, there is way too much leaf blower volume out there for him that is not aimed at anything doesn't land clean it's just opportunities for people to hit him and so you had you know Royville out there throwing like four strikes to Pantoja's one and Pantoja would just club him one time and you're like oh well Pantoja wins that exchange and the other thing is just the positional control which has been a problem for Royville's whole career he's sometimes been able to scramble through it and win fights with it but at the highest level like Pantoja could just beat him to a position and then it wouldn't that the grappling would stop there. Oh man. Yeah. This was a winnable fight for Royval. Definitely a winnable fight. But I just I think the I mean, we gotta mention how hard Pantoja came out of the gate. Yeah. He was sprinting. And And I, I think that was a wise move because, yes, it did make him tired and fatigued for pretty much <laughs> three hard rounds. Um, but it kind of uh, it prevented Roy Vall from getting going early. Yeah. Prevented him from getting to, to, from getting to flow at all. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's not – and especially given huh? – uh, Some of those entries to those takedowns Pantoja had were just gorgeous – like we saw some really pretty scrambling out here, but and and it's like that's a champion. He's a champion. He's got the heart. Yeah. He's well rounded. He can make adjustments. Um, and it seemed like, especially early on, anytime he landed something clean, it, it seemed to almost wobble Royval. Yeah. So it sounds like he's got enough venom, or it seems like he's got enough venom. Like, yeah, I think I think. Uh, and that was another reason why I gave him most of those or all of those rounds because when when Roy Vall gets stuck and he's he's doing this, it's like yeah. it's hard for that. Like that's the most damaging thing I saw in the round. Yeah, I mean, for me, like I say, I gave Royville round three. I think that was like the one round yeah, where that was the closest in my opinion. But like round five, people are like, oh, he should have got round five, and it's like, okay, he threw, you know, like I don't know, I, I should. Get my stats up here. Yeah, he got going early that round. Yeah, he got going early in round in round five. Because his corner told him, like, you gotta go. Yeah. He threw uh 74 or he threw 98 strikes in round five. 
but none of them had anything on them at all. So he's throwing all these strikes and it's a lot of volume, but it's not a lot of power. Pantoja is still credited with landing 41 strikes in round five. But at the end, you know, he not only does he get Royville down and put him on his back, but at the end he gets to like side control and is landing those hammer fists. And you're like, mm. that's far and away the, the hardest strikes that are getting landed mm. this round. Mm-hmm. Those are nasty. I'm so glad he did that too. It's like, yeah, you, you're, you're just, it's situational awareness. You know how yeah. much time left? No, it's a close round. You know, he had a good start on the feet with strikes, with his damage, but counts more than holding someone there. So yep. seeing him just put, put a stamp on the ice the round, I guess. It's good shit. Yeah. Hard fight. He, it's kind of hard to watch, though. I hate watching him all tired out there. Yeah, that, that part was – I think in that way he may have mis- he may have underestimated Royville and thought he could get him out of there early or just not done enough – altitude training or something i don't know like he, you're champ now hopefully you're making enough money to have a really thorough camp put together for you know getting in good cardio shape and all that because you don't want to see your champ just getting like absolutely ass end fatigued after two rounds especially not at flyweight where you know that every fight is going to involve a ton of scrambling um but again, that's also I think just because he started so hard. Yeah, like that's he doesn't always do that. It's true. I think I was maybe like a maybe he believed like yo I just strangled this guy I'm gonna just go out there put him on his back and fucking strangle him again. Yep, I think out. that's what it is. Uh, fortunately, too, now we've got uh, Amir Albazi versus Brandon Moreno coming up here. UFC Fight Night 237, and that's going to be your next flyweight title contender. Pretty much set for certain. Yeah, it's... Um, how many times did Pantoja fight Moreno? Two? Pantoja has fought Moreno three times. He fought him once on Tough, once in the UFC, that's, as, oh, that's on right. undercard, what and then the once in the title fight. Yeah. Tough was an exhibition, so it kind of doesn't count on the record, but still, I count it. Um, yeah. Damn, man. I know. What's up with Flyway, dude? You got to fight a motherfucker four times? It's just <laughs> literally, we're still dealing with the fallout of the UFC trying to cut every single Flyweight, where... You know, you get rid of everybody and then you rebuild with like 10 guys and try to like remake a division out of that. They're all ha- they all have to fight each other. They all have to fight each other a bunch. You only have the 10 guys and now they've got like 40, but the guys at the top are the 10 they started back with, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, they created this problem, and it'll take a little while for them. They're getting close to solving it. You know, now we're getting Mokaev. We're getting Albazi. He's a new face. We're getting Manel Cop out there and uh, Steve Erseg and Tajir Lanbakov winning and stuff like that. We're, we're starting yeah. to get a new flood, but it's taking time. It takes a lot longer to get new contenders than people think it does. Belly might be making a run. 
Who? Tim Elliott. Oh, yeah, I doubt it, but <laughs> I'd like it. Be, but even Tim Elliott doesn't believe he's he's making a run. Yeah. He said after, after that last fight. But, uh, yeah, back to the drawing board for Brandon Royville. I mean, he said he learned a lot after the first loss to Pantoja. Uh, I hope this teaches him a lot, too, because, you know, he was very much like, I was wild then and I'm under control now. But it's kind of like, yeah, you're still, you're still too wild for title, title contention. He didn't His get submitted, is, though. He didn't get submitted. That's an upgrade. But he did get taken down literally every time he got within a foot of Pantoja. And he did st- – well, how how accurate was he? I shouldn't, I shouldn't speak out of turn before I just damn a man for being inaccurate and leaf-blowery. Eh, he landed 54% of his strikes. That is a big step up for Brandon Royful, apparently. So that's a credit to him. But and it's I still a sloppy game. Pinch- you gotta you gotta credit Pantoja for he just he consistently came up with something in those exchanges to where he almost always got the better of him. Yeah, I mean whether it was I, a hard knee up the middle, an overhand, uh at the in the fifth round when he was fading really bad, he started going to the calf kick and it was really effective. It like yeah. bought him some time. So he just he made all the right adjustments and I he's just a step he's better, he's just better than yeah, I, I said, you know, it was a step up for Royval that he landed 54% of his strikes, but Pantoja landed 60. So literally every time Pantoja let something go, it landed. Yeah, every other time he was he was hitting something. And a lot of that was ground and pound too. Yeah. But a lot there were some there were some heavy shots. He wanted to fight on the feet too early on. And yeah, yeah. it well, was he won the fight every round, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, All right. That brings us to the welterweight bout. Shavka Rachmanov, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And, you know, it it was a little harder for Shavka than I thought it might be, which is, I think, still a credit to just how tough Thompson is to take out and to take off of his game. But, man, I just was absolutely sure this was going to be a real rough night for Thompson. Like, Yeah, of course. Of course. You have to. You have to, right? And so I'm here in Vegas for Karate Combat and Karate, Stephen Thompson. He's He commentates some of the events, right? Um, He's always around, part of the culture. Excuse me. And all the karate guys, which I love, by the way, they're great. But they're all trying to, like, convince me. They're like, oh, maybe I should put some shillings on on, uh, Thompson. And I'm just like, you must not like money. No, yeah. <laughs> and they also try to kind of talk me into picking Sam Alvey to be the karate combat champion, heavyweight champion. And I was like, nah, I'm I'm, I'm picking Sam. Don't don't you get in my head with this karate stuff. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. call me, damn it. We we've been in around MMA too long to trust this shiny pants kickboxing nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, hey, by the way, when I was there, uh, I met Zachary Skaggs, who is on a, part of the Nevada State Athletic Commission. He's one of the ringside physicians, and uh, he came up and just said he loves the show, the six round. He always tunes in. So, oh, hey. shout out to him. yeah, thanks, Zach. We're happy to have yeah. you listening. 
It made we, me feel so great. Right. I'm like, well, I have to do this now. Like, I have to show up. You know, yeah, there's you one can't. person would miss it. You can't run off on us. All right. Yeah, so this was, I mean, some people out there were a little bored by what Rachmanov was doing out there. We're a little like, oh, he's, you know, just kind of doing the whole wrestle and snuggle hug thing. But I got to say, I really love a grappling game like this. I am much more ready to show up for this kind of grappling game because everything Rachmanov is doing out it's there. Yes. It progresses hmm? into something yeah. else. It's all set up to be dangerous and to set it. It's all a trap. It's all just like, you know, like the best way to show it is when he got that, when he's like grabbing Thompson by the leg and it's like, oh, he's going to try to trip, you know, people are like, oh, he's going to try to tip him down and take him to the mat and all that. It's like, no, he's just going to grab the leg and punch him really hard several times. Mm-hmm. Because the position he's you he sees the the advantage of every position he's in, and he uses mm-hmm. that advantage to set something up. And he's like that on the ground too, where he would take Thompson down, and there's that moment where he's like handcuffing one arm behind his back and like twisting it up, so that Thompson mm-hmm. has to like roll and go to his back, and then Rachmanov is on top, and he's in half guard, and he's moving to. You know, start to get a, into like a an almost rear naked choke position from what would be an arm triangle position, and it just it's like it's all of it is just forcing you to have to give up more if you're gonna fight out of whatever he's doing. And I love it. Yeah, I love it too. That is the kind of jujitsu. That is the kind of grappling that I love to see, even if it's not involving a bunch of striking. And Rachmanov often is. But even if you're not striking and you're doing that kind of stuff, there's to me a big difference between that kind of progressive, punishing, trap laying, grappling, and just being on top in half guard, kind of being like, eh, I'm here and I'm happy to be here. Bro, I'm not picking anyone against him. No. Not a, not a soul. Like for a while. I do not want my village raided and burned to the ground on horseback. So I am also not picking against him. Hey, man, he rolls with birds, too. Did you see that hawk yeah. he's just walking around with? I think like, that might have been an eagle. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so man, I'm really awesome. high on this guy. Yeah, awesome performance from him. I He's got to be... You know, if they make if they give Bilal the title shot for next, then Shavka Rachmanov, he can either just sit and wait and get that title shot for that, or he'll fight a top contender. And honestly, for me, yeah, you put him in there with Muhammad or with the Muhammad Covington Burns right now. I'm picking Shavka Rachmanov. You put him in there with Kamaru Usman. I'm picking Shavka Rachmanov. Like. Hamzat's interesting. Yeah, but Hamzat's not coming back down to welterweight. That's never going to happen again. I, I don't believe that. He's talking yeah, about probably. light heavyweight last last I heard. Well, he was talking about not fighting and just loving people. Yeah, so I'll believe Hamzat Shemaev in a fight when I next time I see him in a fight. Until then, he's off the radar. All right. That brings us to a lightweight bout. 
Patty Pimblett, Tony Ferguson, and this was probably the worst way this fight could have gone, and exactly the most depressing version of this fight that I would have feared. Really? Which is, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Because most depressing for me would be Tony got knocked out. Yeah, but he came close. He got hurt a bunch. And I don't know about close. He dropped well, once. He he got hurt enough to make me feel like he was still getting hurt plenty, but not enough to make me feel like he's going to stop fighting. If he'd just yeah. gotten if he'd just gotten bulldozed by Patty Pimblett, then maybe I'd be like, well, maybe Tony Ferguson will finally see what everybody else knows. There's just nothing left in the tank anymore. I mean, I just feel like it's a gentle loss, as gentle as it could be, and that's all. Which I is I, I, which is to me the worst thing because it's just like he's gonna look at that and be like, oh, I've got things I can improve. I got things I can go back and do and correct. And I'm just like, I don't want to see Tony Ferguson on the Bigfoot Silva circuit in Russia losing to you know juiced up middleweights just stomping a mud hole in him it is i would absolutely watch him in karate combat against someone you know an elder yeah you got bill superfoot wallace out there maybe or um yeah i just he doesn't it, it it's just gone. The game is just gone, you know? Yeah, it's hanging out with Colby Covington. Holy shit, dude. They had their little alliance. Maybe it's because yeah. most of their games left at similar I mean, times. Covington has so much left in the tank compared to Ferguson. Like there and he he may be Covington may be running nearly on empty, but Tony Ferguson is pure gas can on the side of the road in the middle of the desert territory. Like his car is ten miles back, and he is. It is noon, and he is in Death Valley, and that gas can is empty, and there is no traffic on the road. You know, it is desolate. Yeah, not good. Almost on an island. Yeah, I. Yeah, I, like I he, hope he never fights again. Honestly, he was not competitive for even like half a round with Patty Pimblett. You know? I like that he was, he stayed active off his back and kept looking for submissions and throwing his little elbows. Sure, but it showed signs of life. (laughs) (laughs) The man is not dead. I will say that for him. But But, I was scared that he was going to get sparked out by Patty and I didn't want to see that. Yeah, I didn't want to see that either, but I don't. This just also just felt so draining. He needs to hang out with Chuck Liddell and like the Garrett's and, you know, yeah. and just stop. He needs to stop. Or yeah. do grappling. Yeah, exactly. Go do Fight Pass Invitational, you know? Make that your thing. Go grapple GSP. Yeah. There's something, there's life in that, you know? Yeah. Go grab although, although I still feel like it's a damning, damning indictment of Tenth Planet Jiu-Jitsu that Tony Fer- that Tony Ferguson hasn't even been able to hold on to his grappling game as he's gotten older. Like, 
I don't know he, about that. I mean, why do you say that? That's the only he's, thing he fucking had here. That was yeah, the only he, thing he had here. He's losing on the ground to everybody he fights just as much as he's losing on the feet to everybody he fights. That is nothing new. Do you not remember him fighting Danny Castillo when Castillo held him down for three whole rounds, but Tony was throwing elbows, so he still won the Yeah, but he still had enough there to, like... I mean, even that, then, is a damning indictment of the Tenth Planet thing. Like, it just feels like a gimmick game. The Tenth Planet game? No, it was Well, his version of it... His version of it. Maybe not the actual thing, but his version of it. I thought he was pretty effective. He didn't get finished. Um, I thought he was pretty... Like, he was only effective with his his guard. His guard retention was there... That was the only like hopeful thing he had going on. Yeah, it's still just complete domination. But it's still Adam. It's still just him losing on the ground. You know. I guess what I'm saying is, I, 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 he should go grapple with GSP. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Pimblet. Yeah, I don't. I mean, this is just a bad look for him too because he gasped in a round beating up a corpse like yeah he had delay and pray two rounds to victory over the ghosts of tony ferguson and another thing pimble just got a second degree black belt he's no slouch on the ground so sure just i think you have to take into consideration too i, I think tony what tony did off of, with his guard for self-defense i think was was solid Okay, but this is a dude who was, you know, just a few years back, one of the very best fighters in the world. And now we're just giving him, like, survival credit. I know. That's why I don't want him fighting anymore. Yeah. I want him grappling with GSP. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, for Pimblet, I don't know. I mean, this just kind of feels like confirmation of what people have been saying for a long time, which is that he may be a fun fighter and he may have a lot of fans, but the potential for him to be a contender ever is not there. You know? Talking about Tony or Pimblet? No, Pimblet. Oh. Um, Now, how old is he? He is still only 28, but he's been fighting for a full 11 years now. I I think his game is just what it is. This is this is it, you know. This is the dude. You saw it tonight. Um the thing is like his his striking defense is so porous and he puts his chin up there a lot. You know what I mean? Like what yeah. are you going to do with Jalen Turner? Yeah. What are you going to do with Fiziev? You know what I mean? What are you going to do with these these all these wrestle boxers. Yeah. We have fucking slept. Exactly. Even Tony Ferguson was landing a few strikes early before he started getting popped. And he's going it's, to the Yeah. So, I don't know. Pimblet's just going to, I think, you know, he's there to be a fun mid-card talent for the UFC. He's always going to have his fan base, but this is just a bad fight for both guys, and I'm glad it's over. It, it was cynical booking, and it came off as a cynical fight by the end of it, in my opinion. 
Yeah, he should probably just fight out his contract and then just do like celebrity exhibits. You know, never take that hard loss that we know is coming. Exactly. Just step away from MMA and do. Celebrity boxing is right there for that kind of for that kind of thing. Yeah, and I think he would do well in in the influencer boxing scene. Yeah, he could probably make a you know a couple hundred grand boxing uh, Dylan Dennis or something. Hundred percent. I mean, a couple hundred grand. He could probably make like a a, a sizable amount. Mm-hmm. Especially with his fans. There are people that people show up for him. All right, all right. Let's let's move on. I'm getting too depressed talking about that fight still. By the way, about Josh Emmett, Bryce Mitchell, gravity, a real force. Turns out, absolutely, <laughs> do not want to mess with gravity if you're going to get hit that hard. Because man was not floating after that right hand landed on him. Yeah. Um... I don't know how anyone favored Bryce Mitchell here. No. I mean, and this was short notice, too, and we Against just watched that Danny Ige fight. 145er. We just watched that Danny Ige fight where he couldn't get takedowns that easily, and he ate a lot of heavy shots from Danny Ige. And now you're turning around and you're being like, okay, what about like that guy, but harder to take down and hits bigger? Mm-hmm. What if we do that? And people are like, oh, I'm picking Bryce Mitchell. And it's like, for what? Exactly. Like, whoa. Oh, well, I heard this a lot. Because, you know, I'm out here, like, tons of MMA media is out here and, like, people in the fold, right? And so I'm debating everybody. Sure. uh, Like, they're like, oh, well, you know, um, Yair submitted him. And I'm like, yeah, Yair pieced him up on the feet first. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like he came out with this grappling plan and he's you know down like he got oh, he got Emmett desperate to sh- for Emmett to try to wrestle to for Emmett to try to like close down Yair and to overreach and try to make other things happen so that Yair could have the reactive submission. And if you if you look at who Emmett loses to, it's it's awesome strikers, dangerous strikers. Yeah. And that's the opposite of Bryce Mitchell. Yep. These and then there were like people like, oh, and, you know, you even heard it in like Rogan talking about it in the during the the fight with the guy. He's like, oh, we know, you know, with what Bryce Mitchell can do, did to Edson Barboza, he can strike too. It's like everybody hits Edson Barboza really clean. Anybody that pressures Edson Barboza can get to Edson Barboza. That is Edson Barboza, Barboza's big flaw is that if you go after him, he gets to galloping and circling. And his hands go down, and he just is so focused on moving his feet that he doesn't think about what's coming at him, and he just gets hit. That is an Edson Barboza thing. You cannot compare that to Josh Emmett, who is just dangerous all the time, moving forward or backward. He hits exactly as hard all the time, and you do not want to ever step in there with him. You look at, yeah, you look at guys like Yair Rodriguez, Ilya Tapuria. What they did, and it was to really carefully pick apart Emmett from the edges of range until he was desperate and predictable. And then right. at that point, you can you can pick him off. You can make him do something stupid. And then, you know, you got – otherwise, you just have 
Jeremy Stevens basically going 50-50 and getting finding out that his chin was better than Emmett's, which mm-hmm. nobody else wants to to play that kind of math. That's terrible math. Um, yeah. Man. <clears throat> so I expected Emmett to just run shop on the feet, but I yep. didn't expect this. This is the no. cleanest overhand right knockout that I've seen at this level in years. Like years. Just crushing. Like, I mean, like you have to go back to when they, they, they had people in there that didn't really belong there. Mm-hmm. And, but Mitchell, dude, he was convulsing. He was like, he was his legs were shaking. That was hard to watch. And then when he stood up, he was still all stumbly. That Mitchell was, got it. He got raptured out there. Like, yeah. Yeah. God came down and picked him up. You he know, got, uh, he was baptized for sure. Yeah, <laughs> man. I hope he's okay for real. Yeah, was, I do. That was a very gnarly knockout. That's I mean, he's talked. In, he's talked in the past about kind of wanting to quit MMA. I can't imagine that is going to make him. I, I can't imagine that's going to silence those doubts if he still has any of them. You know, it was a it was a bad night for the Americans once Trump showed up. They all lost yeah. after he sat down. Good old boys had a bad night of it. But uh, well, all wait. right, hold on. It, this seems like a good time to talk about how Sean Strickland fought Drickus Duplessis. Oh yeah, yeah. The other, the other fight on the card. The uh, man, which it was better than the main event. But anyways, some brainiac from the UFC like, let's put Sean Strickland right here and Drickus right behind him. What could possibly go wrong? And sure as shit, they got into a fist fight. Sean yep. like, escorted some kids away. He was like, watch out. Mm-hmm. And then he hops over a row of people and just starts walk punching them. Drickus gets on top and security breaks it up. But like, who 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 needs to be fired for putting them there? No, 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 no. Somebody got a raise out of that. Somebody got a raise out of that because <laughs> they showed that footage during the event, or did they actually? I saw it everywhere. After they said they were going to show it, did they actually show they it? They said, but I don't think they actually. I don't did. think they did. No, they actually didn't. They somebody they got that for that footage is everywhere out there. That footage is going to be in every damned promo for the next month for this fight. It is going to be the selling point. And. Yeah, no. So whoever did, whoever made that seating arrangement is getting a a secret five grand from Dana White. Yeah, you're getting a locker room bonus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a performance bonus for that one. Yeah, uh, no, that was. Yeah, but like when when shit like that happens, though, that can go really south. Really oh yeah, fast. no, no, of course. That's that's a dangerous game to play. There. It it was damn foolish, but. It seems like everybody got away with it. Drikas Duplessis is still mouthing off about it, and I'm sure Sean yeah, Strickland is like, fine. Yeah, you're finishing the race 33 yeah. percent, you hit me like a bitch or something. I don't know. What yeah. Wow. Well, so let's get down to the prelims here. Alonzo Menafield, Dustin Jacoby, and man, you know. Menafield is starting to put something together. 
I can't believe Pat Barry was the one to like turn the man around, but Pat Barry has instilled a calm into Alonzo Menafield, a, a calculated actual ability to stay calm and collected in a fight. Pat Barry did this. Even Dean right. Thomas was like, I cannot believe I'm saying this. I would never have thought that Pat Barry <laughs> could coach a fighter. Right. But Menifee, like, he has the kind of power. Yeah, Dustin but, Jacoby was... What about Rose Namajunas? Huh? huh? What about Rose Namajunas? He coached her. He did not. That's Trevor Whitman. Do not put Pat Barry... Yeah. He groomed he, he... <laughs> Sorry. I'm in Vegas. <laughs> I'm in... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, moving on. Uh, okay, moving on. <laughs> but Dustin Jacoby was running away with about 75% of this fight. All through, just landing the better shots, landing the cleaner offense, getting Menafield Menafield on his heels, getting getting in his head, just fighting a really good fight. And Menafield just kept finding the shots to crush him. And for a dude that, like, even just a couple fights ago for Menafield was swarming Jim Crute to the point... This was early this year. He was swarming Jim Crute to the point that he got so exhausted he couldn't keep fighting. For Menafield to be collected enough to just, like, come back in the third round with that lunging left hook to take a fight... That was a fight he was on his way to losing right there. 100%. Jacoby was easily up in the third round. And seemed to be cruising. And for Manifield to find that kind of punch and to be that, have that moment of collected energy to still have it left in him to come back like that, he is he's athletic enough that this is the division where if you can stay that dangerous, you can you can put together a lot of wins. Yeah. And honestly, he almost he almost finished Jacoby in the second round. And the only reason he didn't is because he overswung on one of his punches. That yeah. Enough space to squirt out into uh, into the middle of the octagon, but it, like I mean, it was right there. Yeah. So great win for Menafield. Honestly, the kind of win I didn't ever think he could get because it's taken him so long just to. Speaking of the overswing, it's taken him just so long to get his feet under him when he punches, so that he doesn't yeah. overswing everything. He's a fighter who used to get off balance every single time he threw something. And so it's taken him so long to get to this point where his footwork is stable. I never thought he would beat a fighter like Dustin Jacoby. So for him to go out there and get a win like this and get into the to the light heavyweight rankings and have a chance to make a few moves, good for him, man. Like, honestly, it's yeah. impressive. He's got scary power. He does. He's 36, he but... He can't stop a jab. No, but he's no. got scary power. He's got scary power and light heavyweight and heavyweight and middleweight are kind to old fighters. They give a lot of space for late career improvement. And he's got the power that he can, he can hang in there and make some fun fights. You know, I'm impressed. Yeah. It's fun to fun. 
Let me see. Is, is there a, is there a ranked fight now for him off of this? He beat Dustin Jacoby. He's ranked 14 right now. I do not ever want to see him fight Dominic Reyes. Is he Reyes' book? He is, unfortunately, with Carlos Olberg. That's nasty work. Oh, my but, And uh, Alonzo Menafield versus Azmat Mirzakhanov or Ryan Spahn or Volkan Uzdemir, even? I would watch the hell out of any of those. I thought he already fought Ryan. Did he already fight Ryan? He might have. No, he hasn't. So. Feels like he has. Does feel like a fight that's happened, but it is not. So you book Menafield against Mirzakhanov, Spawn, or Uzdemir. I'd watch the hell out of that. You know? Well, I mean, it doesn't even. Anybody. Yeah. It doesn't matter, but I'm just saying. I did the idea for me of Menafield being thinking about the idea of a fight between Menafield and Ozdemir would not have at any point in the past three years seemed like a realistic fight at all. And suddenly it's a fight. I'm like, I want to see that fight. Book it now. Uh, you know? I'm not that excited for it because of Ozdemir. Because of Ozdemir. It's on some weird performances sometimes. Eh, whatever. He's not gonna. He's not gonna go out there and wrestle Alonzo Menafield, is he? Give me Menafield and Khalil Roundtree. Well, yeah, but Roundtree's already on his well on his way to bigger things. Um. Yeah, you're right. All right. Now we get our fight of the night, though. All the way down here <laughs> on the prelims. <laughs> Irene Aldana, Carol Hosa. This, this one scared a- the shit out of me too, because this I had Aldana in my parlay. I I I picked Aldana, Vivisection, Connor, and I. I was my read on this going. I was like, this is weird because it seems like a fight that should also be should be both really close and really wide. Like I really thought Irene Aldana easily should have this win. She is much better poised to go out there and just do work on Carol Hosa. But then I'm also just like, but that's mostly an attitude and a confidence thing because Carol Hosa has not looked like a confident fighter lately. Because if I'm sure. just going skill for skill, toughness for toughness, Carol Hosa can have a fight where she hangs with Irene Aldana, as we saw. Mm-hmm. And Carol Hosa, I mean, she showed up her best self in this fight. This is the version of her that when she got to the UFC and she had a couple early fights with uh, Laura Procopio and Vanessa Mello and Jocelyn Edwards, it was like, oh, Hosa looks like she's got a pretty fun game putting together. And then she's just started to lose confidence and put on worse fights ever since. And this felt like the first time since that Jocelyn Edwards fight where she really put something together again. And it was a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, I was. I don't think I've ever seen somebody eat this many leg kicks and not be compromised and still have, yeah, not even a stance switch. Like, no, maybe, maybe maybe it's time for me to admit that Sik Jitsu is right and I am wrong. That anybody that gets TKO'd due to a leg kick or a tummy punch is just a wuss and a coward and a sissy. (laughs) <laughs> and it's all mental, and you just got to be tough enough to take the damage. Because Irene Aldana, she, I don't know how she did that. Like her legs are Mexican. 
<laughs> I mean, all of them. Yeah. No, this was wild, man. I, yeah. And, like, as soon as she started getting her leg chewed up, like, right away, I thought it was over. I was like, there's yeah. no way we're going to get two more rounds of this. It was bad. It was almost like maybe they should stop it because she's not mm-hmm. blocking. Like, she's not intelligently defending herself. She didn't check one of those motherfuckers. Nope. Nope. Not one. No. She's not going to walk for a couple of weeks. Maybe a couple of weeks. But That's rough. But credit to her for, like, gunning through it and getting her jab yeah. going. And realizing, too, that, like, she needs to pressure. You gotta, you've got to back Posa up. you got to crowd you the kicker. Yep. And she did that all the rest of the fight. And then in the third, it seems like Hosa had kind of found her rhythm back in. Now Donna hit her with that body shot mm-hmm. and started tagging mm-hmm. her late. And you're like, you know, mm-hmm. Hosa may have done. She did the better. She did the more technical work this round. And I can't give it to her because Aldana just came through and found the better shots. You know, And she fucked her eye up. It yep. was all swollen, and then in the third, it was all bleeding, and she's yeah. Like, it's like no, like, we saw the, we can there. see the damage. We can see yeah. the damage. Aldana's doing it. Just an awesome. And you fight. can't really see the damage with the leg kicks, even though yeah. like it clearly looked like they. Hurt. I don't yeah. even. I don't know. That one boggles my mind. Great fight, awesome performance from Irene Aldana. It's too bad that the Nunez fight went so uh, so poorly for her. But... I don't think it was an awesome performance. Like, oh, she okay. got her I mean, up. it was a performance that a lot, it, it is a performance that a lot of people are going to praise her a lot for, and it will it will sign sure. her up for a bigger fight. And she's quite sure. lucky that Amanda Nunez is no longer champ because Juliana Pena and uh, Raquel Pennington. And Myra Bueno Silva are all very decent, solid, high-level fighters, but they there's not the same gulf there between the Irene them and Irene Aldana. Aldana can compete with any of them in a way that she could not compete even a little bit with Nunes. No, for sure. All right, that brings us to a bantamweight fight: Cody Garbrandt. Brian Kelleher and all respect <laughs> to Cody Garbrandt. I absolutely did not believe that after that Trevin Jones fight, I did not believe at all that he had any kind of reasonable performances left in him. And he won. He beat. He beat. He, he beat Tre- a Trevin Jones that didn't realize that he needed to throw any punches to win the fight. And then Trevin Jones started throwing punches in the third round and immediately started fucking Co- Cody Garbrandt up. And it's just like, had you done this at any point earlier in this fight, you would be winning. But now you got one round after just walking and looking at him for two, for two right. whole rounds. But, uh, and Kelleher came out there with the low kicks and everything. I was like, man, this just feels like we've found a new way for Cody Garbrandt to lose. Uh, and I was scared for him. Yeah. I picked, I picked Garbrandt. I picked Garbrandt. It but, is. And I picked him because you have to look at who Garbrandt has lost to. 
right? Like his level of competition. Sure, to yeah, some, I, I'll buy that. I'd buy that to some extent. Nah, but come on, TJ Lashaw twice, Pedro Munoz, Rob Font, Kai Kara France in a weird feather or a weird flyweight showing. Like yes. Brian Keller is not does not. He's not in that conversation with those. He's names. not, but neither is Trevin Jones. And like I said, that third he round, you keep he, like he, he beat Trevin Jones in the like least. That was there was nothing good to take out of that for Cody Yarbrandt. He looked gun shy and a little bit of confidence. I get the confidence must have come out of that because he actually sat down on a couple of punches in this fight that showed off his speed and reminded everybody why he should still be a title contender level fighter in his prime. He is still very much a fighter in his athletic prime. It is really wild to see a fighter honestly like him who has had all the pieces of his game fall off so spectacularly at the same time that he put them all together. Like this is literally, you know, the taking years to build the supercar only to have it, it detonate the first time you turn the key, you know, like well, the second time, the second time you turn the key. Yeah, you, you won one race out of it and then you tried to race it again and it just exploded into a ball of fire on you. But I'm happy but yeah. for him. I'm glad he got this here. Yeah. I didn't love his call out, though. No, no, Davis and Figueredo. He's gonna fuck him up. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna. We, this is the supercar driving down the highway where the parts are falling off every half mile. There's something new dropping off, and this fight didn't look any different to that aspect. He still he started getting kicked in the leg, and his legs start swelling up. And oh, yeah. his shin grew another shin. Yeah, you can't. I can't look at. Davison Figueredo going out there and being like, oh, yeah, no, Cody Garbrandt's ready for the dude who just absolutely stopped Rob Font from doing anything for three rounds. The same Rob Font who went out there and just put it on Cody Garbrandt for three rounds. You know? So, you know how I was saying, you know, Pedro Bruno, TJ Weiss, Kai Carafrant. Yeah. Addison Figueredo is in that conversation. <laughs> He's, he is of that cloth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know That's what the real thing to do right now is? Good. Hmm? Wait, Are you you cut mean with Cody? Yeah, with Cody. With, oh. There's uh, an obvious one. It's really obvious. Dominic? Yeah, Dominic, Dominic Cruz too. <laughs> yeah. Sure. That is the fight to make. <laughs> I'm, I like it. Right? Watch it. Yeah, maybe he'll I, peak again. Yeah, there's always. I mean, look, he should. He should. The wheels should not be this far off the car. So there, there should still be tread left on the tires. This this win over Kelleher. It's hmm? not so much the wheels falling off. It's just really bad decision making. Yeah, but I, I mean, you also worry at this point that the confidence and that his chin has been, his brain has been rattled enough now that he's just easier to hurt than he ever used to be. True, you know. Yeah, the the durability. May, he there. He he. This is a this is a nice little resuscitation. 
but you know, it very much feels like um, Dominic Reyes territory, where you're like, Dominic Reyes should still be right there in the mix at light heavyweight, you know? But, yeah. All right. This brings us to the surprise performance of the night. Ariane Lipsky, Casey O'Neill. Yeah. And I wasn't happy at all. We were talking about it uh, once again on the vivisection going in this week. We picked Casey O'Neill and we were like, the ground game is Casey O'Neill has it. She can get this fight to places that Lipsky just loses. So we have to pick her. But if Casey O'Neill goes out and fights Ariane Lipsky like she did Jennifer Maya, like she did Roxanne Mataferi, and just tries to be a swarming striker, this fight is very easy for her to lose. Because Lipsky hits a whole lot harder than Jennifer Maya and Roxanne Mataferi. And it's a whole lot smoother and slicker on her feet. And this is, you know, if, if those if that loss to Maya wasn't the learning point. You hope that the loss to Lipsky is the learning point for Casey O'Neill, that her striking is not good enough to go out there and just leaf blower volume with people and try to, you know, fight mean mug her way to victory. Like you can't do it. I picked O'Neill, but I really wanted to pick Lipsky. Like well, I, I did too. Was, I did too. Do, Lipsky, do it. Do it. You're gonna regret yeah. it. But you know, we were coming down to the wire with the staff picks. Yeah, yeah. You gotta pull the trigger. Yeah. So, which, by the way, I don't, I don't think anyone went up or down. In a, yeah, we're all holding steady. I'm like two two spots back here. God damn it. Somebody throw me a bone here. That's right. it. It's, I guess Anton probably won it then. Yeah. That doesn't seem right. right. Yeah, I know. Right? Right. <laughs> How does that work? On a tiebreaker? Like, come on. That's lame. Yeah. All right. Uh, That brings us to Jira Lambikov, Cody Durden. And, uh, yeah, this is, you know, Durden kind of, he looked all right for a minute, but he's kind of, kind of felt like he got stuck here where he came out and he's like, oh, yeah. Lambikov just wrestles people. I'm here to like be violent. It's like you're here to wrestle people, dude. Right. Come on, don't don't lie to us. And he tried to go out there and just outstrike Lambikov, but all that meant is that he set himself up to get out wrestled because his striking isn't that deep. And once he started getting out wrestled, then his wrestling game is all built for offense. It's not built for defense. And Lambikov. Hit you know beat him to grappling positions over and over. He did okay at first in defending. He did, yeah. But holy shit, man, I can't even imagine what that must have felt like. Ulan Bekov, no. he takes the back standing. He gets his position. He's over the jaw with the rear naked chair and then falls back. You know what I mean to the ground and like all yeah. that force, all that impact goes right into his jaw. Ugh. Yeah, a violent rear naked choke. I mean, Cody Durden is one of those like huge faced people too, who like he's all jaw. He's got a jaw it's like you know this down here at the bottom. So like he can't. I can understand like a Lampakov's not going to get under his neck. You know, a napkin probably can't fit under that thing. <laughs> but no bibs for this guy. Yeah, but the pressure has to be killed. I mean, you could see like 
you got to think he can, you can hear that you, you can feel like his jaws like clicking back out of place and out of joint, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just nasty. All right, yeah, Jordan did have some moments on the feet. He did, yeah. He he came out trying to be violent. Like I say, he came out trying to strike, and I think that that just kind of let Alambikov be like, okay, well, if you're going to come at me with a bunch of striking, I'll come at you with the wrestling, and you know, I can catch you off guard. So that brings us to Andre Feely, Lucas Almeida, and I had a big moment's hesitation here watching like the early, the first minute of this fight. Andre Feely coming out there with this like capoeira thing that he's doing. I'm like, oh, this is what is this big change up for Andre Feely? I don't, you know, you've been around for like 12, 13 years, dude. You're suddenly coming out like I'm capoeira guy now. I don't trust this. But hey, I mean, you land like that, you, you get to do what you want, right? Yeah, I mean, this is this was a major step up for Almeida. Yeah, it I really mean, a was. major step up. Someone way more seasoned. Just, I mean, this guy lost a fucking contender series. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not beaten. <laughs> like it just seemed like a bad matchup for him. It was, and I'm glad. I'm glad too, because I, I I love that Philly got this win. He's going through some shit. He had to put his dog yeah. down, like flight left to go to Vegas. Has like, talked about having to bury a friend recently too, and yeah, just like that. So he was in his John Wick bag, if you will. Yeah. And yeah, man, he fucking. <laughs> you looked violent. It was nasty, dude. It's a funky new game. I don't know how it's going to work for him, but in this fight, he looked violent, and that was fun. So. I love the sound it made. Yeah, that was just. When he clocked him. I mean. Too, poor Feely, because, you know, uh, Josh Emmett came out there then and, like, really overshadowed just how bad Feely wrecked Lucas Almeida. Yeah, you know? that's funny. I was, I was watching it with some people, and after uh, the Bryce Mitchell thing happened, I was like, hey, I for, that that knockout was so awesome. I, I forgot what Garbrandt did. Like, I, I forget all these things. You know, yeah, I just looked. I, I did. Performance of the night. Performance of the night. Josh Emmett, Ariane Lipsky, Shamil Gaziev. So we didn't Feely. Even talk about the finish from Lipsky. Uh, that's we true. Yeah, sure. It, it was damn near a club and sub. It was. It really was. Game. But that triangle she, arm bar. Lipsky's ground game, like it's one of those things where defensively her ground game is so bad that you forget about how unbelievably arm limb wrenchingly violent she is when she gets to an offensive grappling position yeah it's fun it is like it is it is the most live by the sword die by the sword ground game i've ever seen where it's just like she is either getting beat up on the ground by molly mccann from top position or she is absolutely turning somebody's leg backwards like she's riding a sea do, you know, against, uh, yeah, who, oh, who was it against uh, Luana Carolina, where she just grabbed her leg and is like thrill, like grinning ear to ear, just wrenching it as far as she can. Lady is violent. Violence, man. Yep. 
But that brings us to our final, our first fight of the card, Shamil Gaziev, Martin Boudet. And uh, this was a really good turn up for Gaziev, honestly. Way better than I've ever seen him look at any point in his career. I watched his earlier fights, and he just seemed like he had a round of decent offense into him, and then he would just become a lay-and-pray artist. Just kind of gas out, get real sluggish, very heavyweight. And he just put it on Martin Boudet for six minutes, solid, nonstop. That was a crazy pace. Yeah. That was a crazy pace. Man, he got, (laughs) Boudet got mugged. Yeah, I feel for a dude as tough as Boudet has been, too, because I really thought, like, Boudet's toughness would see him through this fight. He would be tough, might get beat up a little early, but Gaziev would gas, and then Boudet would still be there. But he just, there was nothing he could do. He was just getting, his chin is amazing to take all the punishment he did in this fight, but mm-hmm. he just got mugged. You're right. Yeah, and Shamil just seems more lethal. Yeah, oh, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Being a lethal heavyweight is what you want. It is. I, I picked tough over lethal. I thought Boudet was tough enough, but nope. Gaziev, he's got the he's got that heavyweight power that you need. So Yeah, standing TKO. What's yeah. Great, great debut performance from him. All right. On that note, we'll be dropping a little bonus content over on our Substack in just a bit. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.